Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Foodcast. I'm Davey H. and this is the Family Table episode. for that excellent lead-in. The Foodcast is your magazine show that explores all aspects of the world of food. The science, the politics, the psychology, culture, and history. This week we explore the family table, mealtime, and the associated rituals of eating with loved ones. It's a subject I could get easily preachy about, even high and mighty. But when a family meal is full of preaching and pontificating and mansplaining, it ends up being the exact opposite of what most people want. And so, it's not what we'll do on this episode of the Foodcast. Instead, we'll explore one version of the family meal and just leave it for you to contemplate. Compare and contrast. If you come out of it with some thoughts on your own family meals, past and present, some observations you've never had before, then this episode's mission is accomplished. This week I have as a guest the handsome, intelligent, and totally eligible Sam Hellman, publisher of The Scarlet Report, host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, and 27-year-old son of Mrs. and Davy H. I talked to Sam about our family table and his changing relationship with food as he grew. Then Sam and I engaged in some improvised kitchen hijinks. But we'll get into all that after a rant. According to a Syracuse University study, Go Orange, families that habitually share a meal at home have children who are 35% less likely to engage in disordered eating. 24% more likely to eat healthier foods, and 12% less likely to be overweight. Other studies show correlation between fewer delinquencies and better academic performance among kids who ate more shared family meals. But it's estimated that 20 to 30% of meals are eaten in the car. Soccer practices, dance rehearsals, play dates, and other scheduling conflicts make family mealtimes seem like a thing of the past. Seems like there's a growing trend to grabbing nutrition bars for breakfast on the school bus or morning commute, eating carryout or vending machine dreck at our desks, grabbing dinner at the drive through window, or just having our face planted in our smartphone during the meal. And this is often how a food cast rant will begin. The rant's usually focused on observing absurdities in our food culture, such as over-the-top menu creations in chain restaurants, episode 2, and the marketing and political undercurrent of National Food Days, Episode 7. By the way, I'm releasing this on January 20th, National Cheese Day. Sometimes it's an evaluation of styles of eating, such as becoming a vegan, Episode 18, or eating insects, Episode 16. And sometimes it's about driving some change, such as building better nutrition curriculum in schools, Episode 11, or increasing healthy food options for low-income people. Episode 20. So, with the opening statistics I just fired off, a natural step 
would be for me to implore you to sit down with other people on a regular basis and enjoy a meal. After all, it's what the H family did. We turned out okay, so why can't you do it too? Well, you have good reasons, that's why. You're not me, and that's a good thing, otherwise you'd be responsible for this mess. And despite those statistics, when you dig into them, you find that as children become adults, all the normalcy or dysfunction of mealtime may end up meaning very little. Not to mention that it's a Syracuse study, clearly a safety school. Other factors impact our relationship with food and with other people. I grew up in a household in which mealtimes were tense. Mom had a stressful job and that often was aired during mealtime. Still, my brother, sister, and I each have different levels of health and eating tastes. Same environment, same genes, different outcome. The way we enjoy meals with our own families are each different, and our nieces and nephews and our own children are figuring things out and thriving as they venture out into adulthood. So does it really matter? I don't know. Here's what I think does matter. Whether you grab meals on the go or eat them like the Cleavers, the Brady Bunch, or the family and This Is Us, Make sure you're eating the way you are because you want to. Sure, sometimes schedules take away that freedom. I get it. But if it happens all the time, it may be indicative of another problem. So, at your next meal with other people, stop striving. Don't try and make it something that it isn't. Enjoy the food and enjoy the company. Don't demote mealtime to being simply a transition between what I was doing before and what I'm going to do next. I think that if you and the people you share meals with do just that, you'll probably glean all the benefits that I open this rant with. Relax. Enjoy your food. Don't let headlines and pundits, including me, turn mealtime into stress time. By the way, what's not in the headlines is that in 1998, according to a Columbia University study, Go Lions, 47% of families ate at least five meals a week together. Ten years later, that number jumped to 59%. Before getting to the interview, I'd just like to talk to you about a great opportunity to break out of your stir-crazy winter rut and get outdoors and share good times with your family. Please join Dr. Suzanne Nixon and me from March 10th to 12th for Families Being Healthy and Well. It's a recreation and resort experience focused on good nutrition, mindful eating, and appreciating life's gifts. Join us for an extraordinary weekend of learning and playing to enhance and fortify your family's health and well-being. Families will learn practices in each of the three areas in a fun and entertaining way. Seminars are structured to ensure that kids and parents get to enjoy time both separately and together. And there's plenty of free time built in to access all the amenities and activities at the amazing Massanutten Resort. For details, check out the show notes for this episode or go directly to www.inspirationaljourneys.org slash resort retreats. You heard right. That was inspirationaljourneys.org slash resort retreats. Or drop me a line and I can help you out. You're not going to want to miss this opportunity. Space is limited. See you there. Today's guest is someone who's taken a lot of work to get. It's been 27 years in the making. He is the publisher of the Scarlet Report and the host and creator of the Rutgers Scoutcast, and my son, Sam Hellman. Thanks for being here, Sam. Thanks for having me. I uh, I know that it was, I'm a tough guy to book. I'm a tough guy for you to track down. 
but uh, I'm excited to join you today on the program. People's food habits, they're established at a very young age through genetics and just habit and, and culture and other things, and that's what we're going to explore in this interview. Well, I'm glad to know what we're exploring. I'm going in blind here, so whatever you're going to hear is right off the top of my head. I'm going in blind. I certainly don't want to feed you any lines, so that's why you're going in. That's why you're, you're flying blind. I can't act anyway. Okay. What are your earliest recollections of what it was like eating at the Hellman family table? Well, we uh, actually own the table now in my apartment in Edison, New Jersey, where I live. We had a uh, big wooden table at our uh, home in Herndon with a bunch of pictures of fruit on it. And I still own that same table. I've spilled a lot of things on it over the years, but my recollections are pretty much sitting at that table and complaining about whatever was served because it was too spicy or there was too much chocolate or none of us could ever agree on what to eat. So there were a lot of arguments. And when you were young, you didn't you really... Are me old? Yes, absolutely. You are an old fart. Yeah. In many respects, you're an older fart than I am, but... Yeah, that's true. Maybe we won't go there. So when, when you were younger... You were not all that into eating anyway. So my recollection is that you were always uh, working to get done with whatever you were eating as soon as possible so you could go outside and play. And we would usually make you eat a minimal amount of food before we would let you get up and go out to play. So what is that jive with your recollection? I was so disinterested in the kinds of foods that you wanted me to eat. They're foods I like now. But I was so disinterested that you'd try to serve me some chickpeas or black-eyed peas or carrots or something. And I so didn't want to eat them that I refused to chew them. I would swallow them like pills just to force them down so that I could go either have my dessert or go play my, you know, my go-go Power Rangers or whatever it was at the time. So your go-to strategy was swallowing whole. You didn't go to the hiding the food or... Covering with ketchup or anything like that? I, I, I think swallowing, uh, swallow it whole, don't chew it, and you won't taste it. I think that was my strategy, but you might remember finding various chicken nuggets under couches and stuff. And so the, the things you mentioned, there there were a lot of beans. I, I guess you didn't enjoy the Black Eyed Peas for New Year's Eve thing? No, we're recording this over Christmas break, and I'm excited to not be here for New Year's, so I'm not forced to eat that uh, nonsense. I can go eat whatever I want. Okay, well, as you know, if you have bad luck in 2017, it's because you eschewed the black-eyed peas. That's why? Yeah. Of, everything, of all the mistakes that I make, it's that I didn't eat black-eyed peas. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. That's the one. Well, I'll listen to the band instead, and that's even worse than eating the food. So what, do you remember what your favorite foods were back when you weren't all that interested in, in eating our cooking anyway? Uh, dinosaur chicken nuggets, grilled cheese, anything at McDonald's. When you, when you and mom would work, I think it was Monday nights where you both worked, we'd get McDonald's and that was the best night of the week because I would try everything on the menu and, well, they all taste exactly the same. They're just in different shapes. But yeah, a lot of McDonald's, that was, that was always big. But yeah, chicken, all, everything, that all the things you Tip kids like. Yeah, you typical know? kid food. Fish sticks, chicken nuggets, pizza. Really, fish sticks. Donuts, whatever. As you got a little bit older... You seem to be more interested in food. In fact, everyone in our family gained a lot of weight when you were in your preteens. 
but I think that maybe you had the biggest weight shift at oh, that yeah. at that point. Any idea about uh, what your peak weight was? Two twenty five. Two twenty five. And I'm about five nine, five ten right now. I was probably a little shorter back then. Two twenty five, and you were at what fourteen? I was two twenty five my start of my senior year in high school. I don't know what I was before then. Any feeling on what uh, may have changed at that point to make you? Go first of all for where you're not that interested in eating to gaining weight or uh, it was really easy to get fried things at I blame the public school system. You blame I, we're suing Fairfax County Public Schools. It's all their fault. At uh at Rachel Carson Middle School and at Oakton High School where I was educated to some extent, it was very easy to acquire lots of fried things in the lunch line. They and and uh, elementary school they didn't serve French fries, but they started selling French fries when I got older. And then you know the the, the my lunch every day was meatball sub or ham and cheese, you know, really healthy school options. So I blame that it was very accessible and I could get as many servings as I liked. What's your recollection as far as uh, nutrition and healthy eating education that you were getting from that same school system? I mean, they had nutrition facts on the boxes of milk, but that, that's probably the extent of it. In health or in, or some kind of class like that, they never taught you what... I don't they, think we had health as a class. We had we had PE, but that was just, you know, run your mile and then go home kind of so thing. So you were, you were there at the point when they were so interested in making sure that you were passing academic testing and there were budget cuts and stuff like that, that they didn't even spend that much time on physical activity and nutrition and... Other important things. No, no. They, I, no, I don't want this to be an assault on my educators because I actually had a lot of good teachers too. But I have zero recollection of any sort of nutritional education outside of like Bill Nye the Science Guy. That wouldn't be the fault of your teachers anyway. I mean, they teach what they're told to teach. It'd be the more they're teaching to the tests or yeah. whatever. You said that you were you peaked at two twenty five up to about your senior year of high school. Within the senior year of high school, you went through a major transformation. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, we are. We are because you went down from your peak of two twenty five to what? Uh, One forty seven the day I left for college. Okay, so then that's about a ten month period. Yeah, that sounds sounds about right. Okay, what made you decide to? lose that weight because that was a lot of work I don't think there really was an answer I think it was just uh, I was young enough that it wasn't that hard honestly like I think that when you're 17 it's probably a lot easier to lose weight than when you're even 27 like I am now you bought me an elliptical I used it every day and I had I started making my own lunches instead of eating what the school sold and, and that was Honestly, that was probably 75% of it right there. Okay, so primarily just taking more control over what you were eating and you were exercising. Oh, and, and the food I was eating was still terrible. It was just small amounts. I, I would have, every day for breakfast, I'd have half a bagel with fat-free cream cheese, which is just gross. And then for lunch, I would have a that Laughing Cow cheese spread. I would have some of that on bread with like onions and fennel or something and 100 calorie Cheetos okay. and Diet Mountain Dew. It's not healthy, it was just eating less. Okay. This may have been uh, transparent to you, but your mom and I, and your mom especially, was very much, uh, it was very important to her the family dinner time and that we all did sit at the table at least at some point and share a meal. Were you conscious of that at, at around those age, that age? 
the no, Dodgers. no, I didn't. I mean, it, do, it doesn't surprise me, but I, it was never something. I was just that's what we did. That's just like it was. wasn't. It wasn't weird or it wasn't. Tradi- it was just that's what we did. I mean, unless it stopped probably as I got older in high school because I like did things and had friends and a car and stuff, but. That's just what we always did unless you guys had to work or something. Did you notice at all that uh, maybe your friends and stuff didn't have that kind of custom or do you think that everyone pretty much did that? I was probably under the assumption that that's just what normal people did. Okay. I had never really thought about it at all. I still don't really think about it to be honest. Now you're, uh, you mentioned that when you were really young that our, we had very divergent tastes. We all had different kind of tastes and I think that really started to come out as you were a teenager and you and yeah, your brother. Yeah, that was a problem, I know. No, you and your brother were just especially different. Do you remember anything about that at all, about how your tastes were so different and how your mom and I tried to cater to that? Yeah, it was, it was, it was absurd because it was to the point where we couldn't even eat. We'd have to go to two different restaurants to pick up dinner. I mean, <laughs> there's a, I love a pizza place in the D.C. area called Lido Pizza. That I would, I still request to this day every time I'm in the country, in the area, in the county. And uh, that's at Lido Pizza? Yeah, you follow them on Twitter, at Lido Pizza. <laughs> They're verified. So there was that, and then right next door was a buffalo wing place. So you'd have to go to both places and pick up wings and pizza. Or, or like if we were ordering, we couldn't order from certain pizza places because my brother wouldn't eat cheese. So we had to be a pizza place that had chicken nuggets too. Yeah, it was a problem. It was a problem, but Mom and I certainly uh, contributed to that problem. We could have put our foot down, I suppose. But I like the chicken wings, too. And Mom liked the pizza. So it was as much catering to us. You went to college, and your diet changed some more. You made some more radical decision. You decided to go vegetarian. Yeah. Well, in high school, I stopped eating red meat my senior year of high school, and then I just kind of took it up another level after a couple months in college, and I just kind of stuck with it. So take us through that thought process, what made you decide not to eat red meat? Well, it started with, I think I've told this story, or you've heard this story before at least, the first time I saw Apocalypse Now, the French Redux version, the really, really long, like three and a half hour one, there's a scene where they're slaughtering a cow, And it was a little much for me. Like, I'm 16 or 17 or whatever I was, and I did not like watching that cow get killed. So I was kind of, I just stopped after that. I think it was even something lame, like it was around New Year's, and that was my New Year's resolution or something, and I just stuck with it. And then stopped eating meat entirely. I just didn't, I didn't really like it. I like animals more than I liked uh, fried chicken. And so I just kind of stopped. What kind of horrible parents do you have who let you see Apocalypse Now when you're a kid? I mean, I wasn't a kid. I was 17 and we had cable. Like, I, believe me, I saw much worse things than that that you don't know about. Now's the time to tell me. Nope. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> okay. How easy was it to go vegetarian while you were in college? Very easy. Rutgers University, where I went to school in New Brunswick, New Jersey, is very, very liberal, very multicultural, very very inclusive. There's every kind of cuisine on the planet and they'll cater to anyone. And if they don't cater to you, it's because they're terrified of offending someone and then they'll add that to the menu. It was very easy. There's a hundred different cuisines out there. And if I told someone I was a vegetarian or something, they would be terrified of offending me by serving meat. They're so mock outrage and afraid of offending someone that it was very easy to find food. 
when uh, you go vegetarian because of the way you decided it, what inspired you to do it you had no you weren't missing meat at all you just it was a very easy transition for you yeah I just kind of stopped I think it started my going into my sophomore year of college I think I went to a Bruce Springsteen concert at Hershey Park with a couple friends of mine and I bought that the the ultimate stadium food is chicken tender and fries basket like it's, I'm sorry it's just a fact like I don't eat it but that's what you get if you're at a stadium so I bought it and I started eating the fries and I looked down and I was like you know what I don't want this and so I gave it to my friend and I think that was probably the last time I ever even thought about it and it just kind of went went from there after college you played with some other kind of constraints on your eating style you went gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free, was that it? Sounds about right. I, I messed around. I've messed around with a lot of things just to see how I feel. And while I did feel better doing the whole gluten, dairy-free, obnoxious, like, I'm better than you are diet, it was, one, it was too expensive. Sports writers don't make a lot of money. And two, it wasn't worth the effort. Like, I did feel better and, and stuff, but it wasn't worth the effort of having to every time I'm out at a restaurant make a special order and make a scene and I don't like people to know that I have special needs in food or whatever I just want to fly under the radar and it was too much uh, kerfluffle. So if you are any of the five people who are listening to this please don't repeat in any of this stuff. Yeah I'll block you on Twitter if, if you go too far with it but you can follow me at Sam Hellman Scout if you have other questions. We'll, we'll give you your opportunity to plug already. Calm down. I'm a I'm a promoter. This is what I do. Okay. I'm not I'm not on here for free. I'm here to I'm here to get followers. We got to get me uh, give me over 3000. That's your Simon Foodcast listener. A few more questions Sam right now. You, would you say you watch cooking and food-oriented programs more than any other kind of genre? No. I would say that I watch it is the second most consumed thing on television with the first being professional wrestling. Professional wrestling. Sometimes they go hand in hand. You never know when a wrestler is going to throw a cake at somebody. But I do love food programming. Well, that's the thing. Food is just pervasive throughout life, so it even finds its way on the professional wrestling circuit. What is it that interests you about these cooking shows? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess it started... There's only so many things... On. I travel a lot in my job, or I, I don't travel as much as I used to, but there's only so many things you can watch in a hotel room. And I found that the Food Network was much more enjoyable than the non, you know, Law & Order, SVU, Crime Scene, Scene of the Crime, Crime Scene, Las Vegas, all those shows. So I figured I'd rather watch that. And... This, the the way people take it way too seriously and the just over the top food jargon and expertise I just enjoy it's like watching wrestling it's just absurd and when I watch television I want to be taken out of reality and that's what the Food Network does because I can never cook any of these things I won't eat ninety percent of them but it's so over the top that I enjoy the pageantry and you multitask a lot while you're watching TV so you, that's not the kind of thing where you have to worry about missing plot points is that Right, yeah, if you're, you can usually figure out what's going on pretty quickly. So if I'm working or if I'm uh, watching three things at once or if I'm on my phone or on a conference call or something, it's very easy to have that on in the background and follow along. Okay, so despite all that stuff you uh, watch, you, you claim you're not much of a, of a cook. 
No, yeah, no, you have no, very creative food ideas and habits and suggestions for others. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying this just because I'm afraid I'll get in trouble by telling my dad. But I, I don't smoke pot, never have. But I definitely act like I do with the way that I approach food and entertainment. But food overall, if it's not if it's not weird, I'm not interested. When you go shopping or whatever, what's your mindset as to what you're going to get? I have a staple of 10 to 12 things that I always want in my refrigerator. I don't know how much detail you want about What that. are a few of those? Uh, I buy dried beans. I buy potatoes. I make sure that I always have eggs and a couple different kinds of frozen vegetables. Or I, like, I love fresh green onions. I put them in everything. Just, just some basic eggs, beans, that kind of stuff, because that's kind of the base of everything I eat. But then after I hit my staples or whatever's on my mental list, I n- I've never gone to a grocery store with a list in my life. But after I hit the things I feel like I need, the first thing I do is I go to what's on sale, the day-old bread or the damaged cans or the stuff that they need to unload, and I'll just pick things. Oh, that could be nice, you know. Oh, the, those, that broken can of green beans is 40 cents. Sure, why not? I could put that in my quino tomorrow or quinoa, depending on uh, where you're from in this country. So, yeah, I go into it thinking, here's food that I like that I know is somewhat healthy, and here's food that I can afford to experiment with. And then you just cook whatever you're in the, the mood for. Yeah, I, it's, I, I'm either cooking rice, pasta, or eggs. And putting things in it. Okay, and it's, styles of cuisine could mix. You could go with with what you've got. You could, you could go Mexican on one night and Asian style on the other. Yeah, not offensive. That. Just the I I don't really do cultural themes because I'll happily make a, I don't know a, a black bean salsa lo mein or something. I don't really worry about different cultures mixing or whatever. I just cook stuff. You know you know how at Taco Bell everything is. The same thing, just in a different shape. That's kind of how I approach cooking. What what shape do I want it to be? Okay. Whether it's pasta or rice or eggs or flatbread or sandwich. So you're very much into the fusion style of... <laughs> yeah, we, we could call it. If, if I were to pretend that uh, I knew anything about cooking, yeah, I'm very into uh, fusion. Okay. I okay. do my fusion dance. And... Any no consideration at all about uh, getting specific kind of nutrition or anything. You just eat what you you feel like. Pretty much. I mean, I try to make sure that there's some kind of vegetable and protein in every meal, but it don't really. I don't really think that far ahead. It's just kind of here's what I have, and I'm putting it in a bowl. And I know that eggs have protein. I know that beans have carbs and protein, and you know, something about omega fatty three acid something. No, I don't really think about okay. it. So, but if anyone out there was listening and worried about you getting enough protein, that's not something that that person, that she would need to worry about. Right? No, mom, if you're listening, don't worry about it. <laughs> One other commentary that I'll make on your eating habits. and Please and, judge me. Yes, and the last time we tried to, to do this recording, and I totally botched it, we covered this as well, is, in my opinion, you eat very quickly. Is that your, <laughs> is that your opinion too? Yeah, uh, I inhale my food. Yeah, I know that I shouldn't. I know I eat very quickly because I just want to get it over with and move on to whatever's next or whatever. I, uh, 
I'm very much a what's next kind of person. So the less time I spend eating, the more time I can spend doing something else. So you like what you eat, but you want to rush through what oh, you yeah, eat? Oh, yeah. Are, are, like, are you still the kid who wants to go outside and play? I love eating, but it, I don't like wasting time. And I feel like if I can eat a slice of pizza in four bites, why would I take six bites? You know, it, it's a waste of time. Is there anything else that you'd like to bring up before I actually do open it up and let you start promoting stuff? Sriracha, what kind of, is this PG, PG-13? PG-13. All right, Sriracha sucks. It's overrated. Don't support it. Buy good things instead. What, um, are, what, are, what are your favorite condiments then? I, any, any mustard. Mustards are great, and I can pretend that they're healthy. I like the horseradishier, the better. Mm-hmm. Mustards are great. I, I do support dipping uh, pizza in ranch dressing, as disgusting as that is. That is gross. That's really gross, but I'll do it anyway. But yeah, I'm a big mustard guy, and there's a... I could, couldn't tell you what it's called, but most green salsa verde type sauces, I'm a big fan of those too. What do you have against sriracha? It's just not good, and people yell about it. It's the same thing that people yell about truffles and, and yell about... Um, I don't know, you're the food cast. What's, what's in these days? As far as condiments, what's in? Oh, the Korean chili paste, the guang. Gochujang? Yeah, probably. That's that's probably the next. Yeah. Yeah. See, thing. that's it's it's all good, but it's not like, let's not pretend that sriracha is better than 78 other kinds of sauces out there. I mean, basically, sriracha is spicy ketchup. Yeah, but why not just have spicy ketchup instead? If you're, by the way, JR's Barbecue Google their spicy ketchup. You can get it on wweshop.com for five ninety nine. It is spectacular. I'll I'll uh, have a link to Jr's at the on the sh- on the all important show notes. You follow there. him at jrsbbq on Twitter. Okay, and uh, all right. So how can people track what you're doing, Sam? I don't know why they would want to, based on listening to this, because my work has nothing to do with food. But I guess if you became a fan of the food cast based on some some of the presentations that you've done in New Jersey or know you from being from New Jersey and you're a Rutgers fan, then you can check out what I do. I, I cover everything Rutgers athletics. Yeah, it's as exciting as it sounds. Um, the Rutgers football team went 2-10 and 10 this year, and the Rutgers basketball team hasn't been to the NCAA tournament since I was two years old. But... Things are looking up for Rutgers, and I think that if you are from the New Jersey area and interested in Rutgers, now is the time to jump on the bandwagon because things might be rock bottom now, but Rutgers is on its way up. I can guarantee you that. And if you're interested in anything Rutgers or if you're interested in high school recruiting or anything dumb like that because it's sports, you can follow me at Sam Hellman Scout, S-C-O-U-T, on Twitter. Uh, I do a Rutgers podcast every Friday. The Rutgers Scoutcast. So type in Rutgers and I'm the first thing that comes up in iTunes. Or you can go to my site, scarletreport.com. If you mention this, I'll give you a free extended trial. Well, thank you, Sam. Sam is my podcasting mentor, so you can blame him for a lot of what I do. And uh, thanks again, Sam. No problem. It's the day after Christmas 2016. After spending the day with Mrs. H's family... Sam, Mrs. H, and I are getting ready to host my side of the family. The night before, for Christmas dinner, we had the traditional stuff. Ham, some roasted vegetables, and potatoes, and so on. We also had nachos, since neither Sam nor I are fans of ham. 
and the inclusion of nachos is a great way to troll Mrs. H's family. These are folks who are very set in their ways. They've eaten the same thing for Christmas and Thanksgiving dinners for decades. So whenever we get to take over the holiday meal, we always throw in a wild card. And it doesn't take much. Serve a roasted potato instead of mashed potatoes and heads explode. While prepping for our company, Sam and I are also worrying about lunch and looking to do our own version of the Food Network show, Chopped, using the following ingredients we have in the fridge. Whole jalapeno peppers, mini sweet peppers, goat cheese, pico de gallo, cream cheese with smoked salmon, leftover cheese and pancetta mix that I used for some stuffed dates that we brought to a neighbor's Christmas party, and crazy feta. We decide to make a healthier version of jalapeno poppers. What you're about to hear is the rough equivalent of being invited to your neighbor's house to watch their home movies about Christmas leftovers. Pretty enticing, huh? Add to that that most of you never met me before in my life. You only know me through this podcast. Or maybe you know Sam through his. Then, take away the visuals of the home movie. All we got is audio, along with a few photos that are up on the show notes. Yep, doesn't get much better than this. And so, if you're not interested in the back and forth between Sam, Mrs. H, and me, I understand. The entire segment's about 10 minutes long in case you want to skip ahead. If you do listen, I'd really like to hear back from you on your own family cooking and eating experience. How is it similar to what you hear in this recording? How is it different? Because even though I know that this may bore the crap out of some of you, my unnatural, insatiable, and irrational curiosity about food and how people relate to it must be satisfied. So here you go. I'll show you mine and appreciate you showing me yours. Let's get started. Do you have the smaller vegetable pan from yesterday? That would probably work. We can do a couple of these too, maybe. Yeah. So you think you're just roasting them? I'm gonna butterfly them. Mm. Okay. And then probably just put the cheese on it. Okay. I mean, you could toothpick them back together, but it kind of just seemed like... Now, do you want feta cheese, too? I don't know. I was thinking that feta, that spicy feta. Oh, crazy feta. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And then refried beans, anything you'd want to do with those? Might as well take them out and eat those, too. And that and the pico, we got to get rid of all this stuff. And this could go horribly wrong. I have no idea. No, it can't go wrong. Keep in mind, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, but it's the adventure. 375, I think? Sure. See, I was thinking just do this. Split them open, but not break them. And then... Uh, so it's only cut on one side. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And then... I guess we need a little a spoon. And the other thing that I would recommend is trim the, the hat, the part of the hat that's edible. See what I did here? These little chunks. Trim that off so it's not wasted, because I'll put that in eggs or something. You're awesome. And that's, that would, this is my plan right here. At this point, we've butterflied the peppers, split them down the middle, and chopped off the top. And now we're finishing them for stuffing and selecting the stuffings that we're going to use. Note Sam's thriftiness, making sure no pepper is wasted. He thought of trimming the flesh around the stem and then chopping it up and throwing the scraps in our pico de gallo and making it a little spicier. He's such a cheapskate. 
It makes me so proud. He shows more initiative soon, and horrible dad that I am, I shut it down. The other thing I just flashed on that might be fun is maybe shred a little cheese on top of all of it at the end. What do you think? That's all very cheesy. Yeah, you're right. We don't need to. It'd be what they do at TGI Fridays. I mean, we don't do TGI Fridays here. I'm going to use some of the... Yeah, go for it. You use the crazy feta in your first one? Yeah, and I'm going to put the cheese in this one. Use salmon cream cheese. I think the goat cheese one is going to be a disaster. And then maybe we'll take two or three of these bigger sweet sweet okay. peppers and do it. Right. For creating. Cool. You pass the pico, please. There's the pico. Which is now basically a jalapeno salad. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. What color did you take? Orange. I have a red and orange. I'll pick a yellow one then. The feta is the easy has been the easiest. Yeah, I was gonna try to get the goat to try it. I I usually let goat cheese get to room temperature and then it's easier to work with. And the other thing is we have all these leftover jalapeno seeds if you want to sprinkle them on your sweet pepper. You don't want to waste. I'm into your lack of wastage. Broke off a little piece of the stem and some seeds to sprinkle in there. I just licked my finger after rubbing ah. jalapeno seeds. That's the best part. So I I had forgotten that, oh yeah, I had rubbed jalapeno seeds, so now my mouth is warm. I'm walking behind you with a knife. Okay, thank you. That's a Food Network trick. Just to say that. You go behind, behind! I do that chopped a lot. Oh yeah. My mouth is kind of on fire, people. Oh yeah, we refit. Oh, I forgot about that. We'll just. Both we'll sides on the side, yeah. Both sides then. We could even just mix the pico right in with it, but oh no, we're gonna want to heat up the beans probably. With our popper stuffed, it's time to put them in the oven. Meanwhile, Mrs. H is setting up the table for the evening guests, and the more of us you add to the mix, the more absurd the conversation gets. When it comes to useless random pop culture references, one can see that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Want to put that in? I will put that in. I don't, do, I don't do temperature. You don't do. I'm afraid it's fire. So you always have to have an electric oven stove? I don't know what that is. It's a stove that's electric. It does I have, have a bunch of It's the kind that you have. I have a bunch of Rutgers people yelling at me about the best cheesesteak in Philly. I don't know why. why? Yeah, why are they yelling at you? Could you stand at the other end of the table while I pull out? Yeah. That's no. I oh, you just you need, literally just want me to stand here. You need to either pull or just hold on hold to it, it hold while it. I pull. Hold oh, it. Hold the door. Yeah. See, she just told me to stand here, so it was very confusing. Hold the door. Hold the door. Hold the door. Hold the okay. door. Thank you. I am one with the force. The force is with me. Push, push, and push. That can't be a thing that people say. It is. This thing that says. Thank you for your assistance. That is not enough room for eight people. Nine. It's not enough room for nine people either. I know. Nine would be a tight fit. That's what she said. Well.
Doesn't this look good, Mom? It does. Yeah. Colorful. It is colorful. And look at all these fresh jalapenos that I'm it's burning my face off. It's not something I could off. eat. I'm going to burn my but face off. I used to be able to eat that. It's your fault, I can't. It is true. Mom used to be good at eating spicy food. And then I got pregnant. So, I'm blaming you. <clears throat> it's your fault we got pregnant. <laughs> we got pregnant. I have no idea how long to roast those. Yeah, we, we just, just wait kind of cook until done. Yeah. Situation. And we're probably going to finish this uh, pico before they're um, ready. I wonder if we should have roasted the peppers a little first. Yeah, probably. That made them too soft, I think. But. Anyone want coffee? I don't know if it's good. No, I'm good. I could offer up some cricket banana bread. Yeah, just don't tell them what it is. We should have stuffed our peppers with stuffed olives. Oh. Uh, well. And pickled jalapenos. Oh, I forgot about those, yeah. Mm -hmm. Those are just about done, I think. Yeah, some of them are leaking. And yeah, they're falling apart, and that's at the point where I would be annoyed. And just say they're done. I may put them on broil for like a minute. Yeah. And how'd we do? You never want to leave your plating until the last minute, or your presentation would be bad. Don't take the salmon one. I won't. Not that we have to do this like the Food Network, is that the deal? No, no, no. Just do what you want. Mmm, the umami and stuff. Yeah. All in all, a really nice dish. Yeah, other than undercooking the peppers a little bit, it's good. I don't mind them. The pepper crunchy, actually. That's not bad. We get dinged on chopped though for that. Yeah. For undercooked bed. And if these were our basket ingredients and we made this, that would be really cliche. Peppers and beans and you stuff peppers with beans. Would they really give this? They would give something. like a jalapeno pepper or something, or pre-made pico de gallo or something. What they would give us is a pre-made jalapeno popper that we had to... Yeah, repurpose. Yeah. Yeah, you need to do something to elevate the pepper. And we didn't make a sauce, that's where we get dinged. I think maybe using the cream cheese, the salmon cream cheese and the jalapeno was wrong. I should have used it one of the sweet peppers instead. Because the jalapeno overpowers the salmon. But the crazy feta is good. Yeah, like, I haven't tried the goat cheese yet though. It just worked out way better than I thought actually. I thought this would be a disaster. It's not a bad lunch. Yeah, we probably could have taken a few more of those seeds out. It's good for you. And stuff. The capsaicin decreases your appetite and increases your metabolism. Poor guy. We almost got all the way through the cooking and the meal without me throwing out nutrition nerd facts. But my family's used to it, and it supplies them with a never-ending opportunity to mock me. And for the record, research does show that capsaicin, the substance that makes hot peppers hot, does decrease the appetite, and does increase metabolism. But this episode of the Foodcast isn't about nutrition. 
It's about how mealtime with loved ones ultimately impact your health and happiness. And I'm not proposing or claiming there's a right way. The research I mentioned in my rant pretty much demonstrates that. But come on, you're going to eat. Your friends and loved ones are going to eat. Why not do it together as much as you can? Relax, explore, savor, learn, laugh. What could be better than that? And there you have it, the exciting conclusion of another episode of the Foodcast. I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about how we do the food thing in the H family. Thanks for listening. Please follow Sam on Twitter, at Sam Hellman Scout, and subscribe to the Rutgers Scoutcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for the real inside scoop on Rutgers sports and New Jersey high school recruiting, check out scarletreport.com. If you and your family are interested in exploring your own family eating rituals and how to get the most out of them, please join Dr. Suzanne Nixon and me March 10th through 12th at Massanutten Resort and Park in McGahee'sville, Virginia, for a weekend of learning, laughter, and fun. Details are at inspirationaljourneys.org slash resort retreats. I include a link on the show notes and on the events page under the About menu of KarmaSenseWellness.com. And finally, if you want to support the show, please share, review, and subscribe to the Foodcast. I've got more amazing guests lined up in the coming weeks. Almost as amazing as the amazing to me, Sam Hellman. But until next time, remember what your old pal Bon Jovi always says. Oh